This is Kate Moorhead Carroll in the podcast, Find It. Today we're going to talk about the Trinity, an enlightened concept of God. James K.A. Smith wrote a remarkable book called How to Inhabit Time. James opens this book by describing the darkest moment in his life. For reasons that he did not understand, he had become depressed. So depressed that James saw no reason at all to live. He considered taking his own life, but instead dragged himself to a counselor for the first time in his life. And thank God he found a good one. James entered the counselor's office with no idea what to say and no energy to say anything anyway. At a loss for words, they sat there in silence. Then the counselor spoke. He had an assignment for James. I want you to draw a map of your childhood home, he said. What a strange assignment. James hadn't thought about his childhood home in many years. The split-level home on Snake's Tail Road where his family fell apart the garage where his dad built hot rods and repaired snowmobiles, the tiny room in the basement, wood-paneled and with one window, where he was terrified by his father at age 11, the blue flowered couch where his parents told him that he, his brother, and his mother would be leaving, the two upstairs bedrooms where his dad's mistress's children would move in and all signs of his existence along with his brother's would be erased. James began to understand that by drawing a map of his childhood home, his counselor was helping him find orientation, to see his life with some clarity, to find his place in it. He began to remember, and with the memories to find a way to heal. He found his place in the world and was no longer lost. When it comes to understanding God, we are lost. We grope in the dark trying to comprehend things much too large for even the most brilliant human mind to comprehend. But we long to understand God because we love God and we sense that God loves us. So God gives us assignments, maps to draw, ways to understand. The primitive person understood God as many. It made sense. Why wouldn't there be a God of the sea, which is so unpredictable and unfathomable? And why not another God for the air, which at one moment caresses your cheek like a kiss? and in another moment can tear down your home in a tornado's fury. Why not many gods for the many seemingly independent forces in this world that we can't understand? It was Abram who first understood that God is one. This revelation of what would be called monotheism is the bedrock and foundation of the Judeo-Christian tradition. But it was not enough not once Jesus came. Today we consider the concept of the Trinity. In my biased understanding, and of course I am biased, 
I'm, I'm a priest who has devoted her whole life to this branch of the Christian tradition called the Episcopal Church. In my biased understanding, the Trinity is the most profound and advanced understanding of God that has ever been revealed to the human race. Jesus gave us the concept of the Trinity when, at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, he gave these instructions to the disciples. He said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. No one had ever heard these words before, these three parts of God spoken of together in one phrase. What did he mean? Scholars and theologians would spend hundreds, even thousands of years trying to understand. Jesus spoke of God as Abba, Mama or Dada, that word that a baby says before it can really speak to identify the one who it loves, ba-ba-ba-ba. Jesus himself was the Son of God, and he gave us this mysterious presence, which he called the Holy Spirit, as a gift to us right before he left. He spoke of its coming, and it arrived after his departure. Three persons one God. It makes no sense at all. And that is the most important point. The Trinity makes no sense, and it shouldn't. It is incomprehensible, and so is God. If you think that you understand God with your rational mind, with your intellect, it is not God that you're understanding. There is no way to make intellectual sense of the Trinity without committing heresy. So don't try, though we Episcopalians do have great respect for heretics. But in addition to making no sense, the Trinity is a way for us to draw a simple map of God and how to know God more. Remember how Jesus said that there are many rooms in his Father's house? Here are some of the rooms that the Trinity illumines. Number one, first and foremost, the Trinity tells us that God is not alone. God is not lonely. Out of the dance of the Trinity comes the creation itself. God did not make us because God was lonely. God had all love and all community within the divine self. No, God made us because God was dancing, and creation is itself part of the nature of God. Every original thought, every artistic inspiration comes from the Creator. You are meant to create, to make, to connect, and to communicate. These are the qualities of God that we humans have and that make us in the image of God. Number two, there is also diversity and difference within the Trinity. We human beings want not only to say this, stay the same, but we want to hang out with people who look like us and think like us. Difference and diversity scare us. We tend to stereotype those who come from other cultures or traditions. We make rash judgments without truly listening to the one who is so different from us. But God in the Trinity is diversity, and God is difference. 
the creator, the incarnation, the spirit. These are three immensely different persons. It is their difference that marks their divinity. And so we, as a human race, are called made in diversity. We are meant to be different from one another and to learn from one another. Make sure that you encounter and deeply listen to someone completely different from yourself. Therein lies the hope for our future as a human race. Number three. The Trinity tells us that God is never stagnant and always changing, ever moving. The three in one and one in three are in a kind of dance of constant change and rebirth. I know it is hard that our lives are constantly changing. We wish our kids would stay the same size. Max just graduated from high school, my son. I ran into a picture of him in third grade when he was standing next to me, so small and adorable and holding my hand, and I just wanted to cry. I want him the same. I want him to stay the same. But if I understand that my child is made by the one who is in fact constant change, I will know that to hold him back is not to love him, and that for him to grow and thrive and live and change is what God would want for him. We were made in the image of God, and God is always dancing and creating and changing and moving. Such is the nature of the Trinity. In the first creation story of the book of Genesis, God is plural. God says, let us make man in our image. And God creates all these dualities, light and darkness, land and sea, animals and fish, and finally humans, male and female. But within these dualities is all kinds of nuance. Dusk and dawn, marsh and swamp, the otter and the jellyfish. And so there is much more than just simple male and female as well. God has so much possibility in the creation and within the divine self. Three rooms, three ways to approach God, three understandings. The Trinity is a road map of incomprehensibility. James found his way from a map of his childhood home to his memories, to his writing, and eventually to some peace. He found his way home by groping in the darkness. He would later write until the light began to come in in small glimpses of illumination. The Trinity is not something that we can understand, but it can be glimpsed. And in its pondering are many of the secrets that we need to become the fullness of who God has called us to be as a human race. The Trinity is something to marvel at, to stand in awe of, to love and adore.